Part two of Areopagitica. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Thomas Copeland. It was the task which I began with to show that no nation or well-instituted state, if they valued books at all, did ever use this way of licensing. And it might be answered that this is a piece of prudence lately discovered, to which I return that, as it was a thing slight and obvious to think on, so if it had been difficult to find out, there wanted not among them long since who suggested such a course, which they not following leave us a pattern of their judgment, that it was not the not knowing, but the not approving which was the cause of their not using it. Plato, a man of high authority, indeed, but least of all for his commonwealth, in the book of his laws, which no city ever yet received, fed his fancy with making many edicts to his airy burgomasters, which they who otherwise admire him wish had been rather buried and excused in the genial cups of an academic night sitting, by which laws he seems to tolerate no kind of learning but by unalterable decree, consisting most of practical traditions, to the attainment whereof a library of smaller bulk than his own dialogues would be abundant and there also enacts that no poet should so much as read to any private man what he had written, until the judges and law-keepers had seen it and allowed it. But that Plato meant this law peculiarly to that commonwealth which he had imagined and to no other is evident. Why was he not else a lawgiver to himself, but a transgressor, and to be expelled by his own magistrates, both for the wanton epigrams and dialogues which he made, and his perpetual reading of Sophron Mimas and Aristophanes, books of grossest infamy, and also for commending the latter of them, though he were the malicious libeller of his chief friends, to be read by the tyrant Dionysius, who had little need of such trash to spend his time on. But that he knew this licensing of poems had reference and dependence to many other provisos there set down in his fancied republic which in this world could have no place, and so neither he himself nor any magistrate or city ever imitated that course, which, taken apart from those other collateral injunctions, must needs be vain and fruitless. For if they fell upon one kind of strictness, unless their care were equal to regulate all other things of like aptness to corrupt the mind, that single endeavour they knew would be but a fond labour to shut and fortify one gate against corruption, and be necessitated to leave others round about wide open. If we think to regulate printing, thereby to rectify manners, we must regulate all recreations and pastimes, all that is delightful to man. No music must be heard, no song be set or sung, but what is grave and Doric, there must be licensing dancers, that no gesture, motion, or deportment be taught our youth, but what by their allowance shall be thought honest, for such Plato was provided of. It will ask more than the work of twenty licensers to examine all the lutes, the violins, and the guitars in every house. They must not be suffered to prattle as they do, but must be licensed what they may say. And who shall silence all the airs and madrigals that whisper softness in chambers? The windows also, and the balconies, must be thought on. 
There are shrewd books with dangerous frontispieces set to sale. Who shall prohibit them? Shall twenty licensers? The villages also must have their visitors to inquire what lectures the bagpipe and the rebeck reads, even to the ballotry and the gamut of every municipal fiddler, for these are the countryman's Arcadias and his Montemayors. Next, what more national corruption for which England hears ill abroad than household gluttony? Who shall be the rectors of our daily rioting? And what shall be done to inhibit the multitudes that frequent those houses where drunkenness is sold and harboured? Our garments also should be referred to the licensing of some more sober workmasters to see them cut into a less wanton garb. Who shall regulate all the mixed conversation of our youth, male and female together, as is the fashion of this country? Who shall still appoint what shall be discoursed, what presumed, and no further? Lastly, who shall forbid and separate all idle resort, all evil company? These things will be, and must be. But how they shall be least hurtful, how least enticing, herein consists the grave and governing wisdom of a state. To sequester out of the world, into Atlantic and Utopian polities which never can be drawn into use, will not mend our condition but to ordain wisely, as in this world of evil, in the midst whereof God hath placed us unavoidably. Nor is it Plato's licensing of books will do this, which necessarily pulls along with it so many other kinds of licensing as will make us all both ridiculous and weary, and yet frustrate. But those unwritten, or at least unconstraining, laws of virtuous education religious and civil nurture, which Plato there mentions as the bonds and ligaments of the commonwealth, the pillars and the sustainers of every written statute. These they be, which will bear chief sway in such matters as these, when all licensing will be easily eluded. Impunity and remissness for certain are the bane of a commonwealth, but here the great art lies to discern in what the law is to bid restraint and punishment, and in what things persuasion only is to work. If every action which is good or evil in man at ripe years were to be under pittance and prescription and compulsion, what were virtue but a name? What praise could be then due to well-doing? What gramercy to be sober, just, or continent? Many there be that complain of divine providence for suffering Adam to transgress. Foolish tongues! When God gave him reason, he gave him freedom to choose, for reason is but choosing. He had been else a mere artificial Adam, such an Adam as he is in the motions. We ourselves esteem not of that obedience or love or gift which is of force. God therefore left him free, set before him a provoking object, ever almost in his eyes. Herein consisted his merit, herein the right of his reward, the praise of his abstinence. Wherefore did he create passions within us, pleasures round about us, but that these, rightly tempered, are the very ingredients of virtue? They are not skilful considerers of human things who imagine to remove sin by removing the matter of sin. 
for besides that it is a huge heap increasing under the very act of diminishing, though some part of it may for a time be withdrawn from some persons, it cannot from all in such a universal thing as books are. And when this is done, yet the sin remains entire. Though ye take from a covetous man all his treasure, he has yet one jewel left, ye cannot bereave him of his covetousness. Banish all objects of lust, shut up all youth into the severest discipline that can be exercised in any hermitage, ye cannot make them chaste that came not thither so. Such great care and wisdom is required to the right managing of this point. Suppose we could expel sin by this means. Look, how much we thus expel of sin, so much we expel of virtue, for the matter of them both is the same. Remove that, and ye remove them both alike. This justifies the high providence of God, who, though he command us temperance, justice, continence, yet pours out before us, even to a profuseness, all desirable things, and gives us minds that can wander beyond all limit and satiety. Why should we, then, affect a rigor contrary to the manner of God and of nature? by abridging or scanting those means which books freely permitted are, both to the trial of virtue and the exercise of truth. It would be better done to learn that the law must needs be frivolous which goes to restrain things, uncertainly and yet equally working to good and to evil. And were I the chooser, a dram of well-doing should be preferred before many times as much the forcible hindrance of evil-doing. For God sure esteems the growth and completing of one virtuous person more than the restraint of ten vicious. And albeit whatever thing we hear or see, sitting, walking, travelling, or conversing, may be fitly called our book, and is of the same effect that writings are, yet grant the thing to be prohibited were only books. It appears that this order hitherto is far insufficient to the end which it intends, do we not see, not once or oftener, but weekly, that continued court libel against the Parliament and city, printed as the wet sheets can witness, and dispersed among us for all that licensing can do? Yet this is the prime service a man would think wherein this order should give proof of itself. If it were executed, you will say. But certain, if execution be remiss or blindfold now, and in this particular, what will it be hereafter? and in other books. If then the order shall not be vain and frustrate, behold, a new labor, lords and commons, ye must repeal and proscribe all scandalous and unlicensed books already printed and divulged. After ye have drawn them up into a list, that all may know which are condemned and which not, and ordain that no foreign books be delivered out of custody till they have been read over. This office will require the whole time of not a few overseers, and those no vulgar men. There be also books which are partly useful and excellent, partly culpable and pernicious. This work will ask as many more officials to make expurgations and expunctions, that the commonwealth of learning be not damnified. In fine, when the multitude of books increase upon their hands, ye must be fain to catalogue all those printers who are found frequently offending, and forbid the importation of their whole suspected typography. 
In a word, that this your order may be exact and not deficient, ye must reform it perfectly according to the model of Trent and Seville, which I know ye abhor to do. Yet, though ye should condescend to this which God forbid, the order would still be fruitless and defective to that end whereto ye meant it, if to prevent sects and schisms, who is so unread or so uncatechized in story, that hath not heard of many sects refusing books as a hindrance, and preserving their doctrine unmixed for many ages only by unwritten traditions. The Christian faith, for that was once a schism, is not unknown to have spread all over Asia ere any gospel or epistle was seen in writing. If the amendment of manners be aimed at, look into Italy and Spain, whether those places be one scruple, the better, the honester, the wiser, the chaster, since all the inquisitional rigour that hath been executed upon books. Another reason whereby to make it plain that this order will miss the end it seeks, consider by the quality which ought to be in every licenser. It cannot be denied but that he who is made judge to sit upon the birth or death of books, whether they may be wafted into this world, or not, hath need to be a man above the common measure both studious, learned, and judicious. There may else be no mean mistakes in the censure of what is passable or not, which is also no mean injury. If he be of such worth as behooves him, there cannot be a more tedious and unpleasing journey work, a greater loss of time levied upon his head than to be made the perpetual reader of unchosen books and pamphlets, oft-times huge volumes, there is no book that is acceptable, unless at certain seasons, but to be enjoined the reading of that at all times, and in a hand scarce legible, whereof three pages would not down at any time in the fairest print, is an imposition which I cannot believe how he that values time and his own studies, or is but of a sensible nostril, should be able to endure. In this one thing I crave leave of the present licensers to be pardoned for so thinking who doubtless took this office up, looking on it through their obedience to the Parliament, whose command perhaps made all things seem easy and unlaborious to them, but that this short trial hath wearied them out already their own expressions and excuses to them who make so many journeys to solicit their license are testimony enough. Seeing therefore those who now possess the employment, by all evident signs wish themselves well rid of it, and that no man of worth none that is not a plain unthrift of his own hours is ever likely to succeed them, except he mean to put himself to the salary of a press-corrector, we may easily foresee what kind of licensers we are to expect hereafter, either ignorant, imperious, and remiss, or basely pecuniary. This is what I had to show, wherein this order cannot conduce to that end whereof it bears the intention. I lastly proceed from the no good it can do to the manifest hurt it causes, in being, first, the greatest discouragement and affront that can be offered to learning and to learned men. It was the complaint and lamentation of prelates upon every least breath of a motion to remove pluralities and distribute more equally church revenues, that then all learning would be forever dashed and discouraged. 
But as for that opinion, I never found cause to think that the tenth part of learning stood or fell with the clergy. Nor could I ever but hold it for a sordid and unworthy speech of any churchman who had a competency left him. If, therefore, ye be loath to dishearten utterly and discontent, not the mercenary crew of false pretenders to learning, but the free and ingenuous sort of such as evidently were born to study and love learning for itself, not for lucre or any other end but the service of God and of truth, and perhaps that lasting fame and perpetuity of praise which God and good men have consented shall be the reward of those whose published labors advance the good of mankind, then know that so far to distrust the judgment and the honesty of one who hath but a common repute in learning and never yet offended, as not to count him fit to print his mind without a tutor and examiner lest he should drop a schism or something of corruption, is the greatest displeasure and indignity to a free and knowing spirit that can be put upon him. What advantage is it to be a man over it is to be a boy at school if we have only scaped the feruler to come under the fescue of an imprimatur, if serious and elaborate writings, as if they were no more than the theme of a grammar lad under his pedagogue, must not be uttered without the cursory eyes of a temporizing and extemporizing licenser. He who is not trusted with his own actions, his drift not being known to be evil, and standing to the hazard of law and penalty, has no great argument to think himself reputed in the commonwealth wherein he was born for other than a fool or a foreigner. When a man writes to the world, he summons up all his reason and deliberation to assist him. He searches, meditates, is industrious, and likely consults and confers with his judicious friends. After all which done, he takes himself to be informed in what he writes as well as any that wrote before him. If in this the most consummate act of his fidelity and ripeness, no years, no industry, no former proof of his abilities, can bring him to that state of maturity as not to be still mistrusted and suspected unless he carry all his considerate diligence, all his midnight watchings and expense of Palladian oil to the hasty view of an unleisured licenser, perhaps much his younger, perhaps far his inferior in judgment, perhaps one who never knew the labor of book-writing, and if he be not repulsed or slighted, must appear in print like a puny with his guardian and his censor's hand on the back of his title to be his bail and surety that he is no idiot or seducer it cannot be but a dishonour and derogation to the author to the book to the privilege and dignity of learning and what if the author shall be one so copious of fancy as to have many things well worth the adding come into his mind after licensing, while the book is yet under the press, which not seldom happens to the best and diligentest writers, and that perhaps a dozen times in one book. The printer dares not go beyond his licensed copy. So often, then, must the author trudge to his leave-giver, that those his new insertions may be viewed, and many a jaunt will be made ere that licenser, for it must be the same man." can either be found or found at leisure. Meanwhile, either the press must stand still, which is no small damage, or the author lose his accuratest thoughts and send the book forth worse than he had made it. 
which to a diligent writer is the greatest melancholy and vexation that can befall. And how can a man teach with authority, which is the life of teaching? How can he be a doctor in his book as he ought to be, or else had better be silent, whenas all he teaches, all he delivers, is but under the tuition, under the correction of his patriarchal licenser, to blot or alter what precisely accords not with the hidebound humor which he calls his judgment? When every acute reader upon the first sight of a pedantic license will be ready with these like words to ding the book a quite's distance from him, I hate a pupil teacher. I endure not an instructor that comes to me under the wardship of an overseeing fist. I know nothing of the licenser but that I have his own hand here for his arrogance. Who shall warrant me as judgment? The state, sir, replies the stationer, but has a quick return. The state shall be my governors, but not my critics. They may be mistaken in the choice of a licenser as easily as this licenser may be mistaken in an author. This is some common stuff. And, he might add, from Sir Francis Bacon, that such authorized books are but the language of the times. For though a licenser should happen to be judicious more than ordinary, which will be a great jeopardy of the next succession, yet his very office and his commission enjoins him to let pass nothing but what is vulgarly received already. Nay, which is more lamentable, if the work of any deceased author, though never so famous in his lifetime, and even to this day, comes to their hands for license to be printed or reprinted, if there be found in his book one sentence of a venturous edge, uttered in the height of zeal, and who knows whether it might not be the dictate of a divine spirit? Yet, not suiting with every low, decrepit humor of their own, though it were Knox himself the reformer of a kingdom that spake it, they will not pardon him their dash. The sense of that great man shall to all posterity be lost, for the fearfulness or the presumptuous rashness of a perfunctory licenser. And to what an author this violence hath been lately done, and in what book of greatest consequence to be faithfully published, I could now instance, but shall forbear till a more convenient season. Yet if these things be not resented seriously and timely by them who have the remedy in their power, but that such iron moulds as these shall have authority to gnaw out the choicest periods of exquisitest books, and to commit such a treacherous fraud against the orphan remainders of worthiest men after death, the more sorrow will belong to that hapless race of men whose misfortune it is to have understanding. Henceforth let no man care to learn or care to be more than worldly wise, for certainly in higher matters to be ignorant and slothful, to be a common steadfast dunce, will be the only pleasant life and only in request. And as it is a particular disesteem of every knowing person alive, and most injurious to the written labors and monuments of the dead, so to me it seems an undervaluing and vilifying of the whole nation. I cannot set so light by all the invention, the art, the wit, the grave and solid judgment which is in England, as that it can be comprehended in any twenty capacities how good soever much less that it should not pass except their superintendence be over it, 
except it be sifted and strained with their strainers, that it should be uncurrent without their manual stamp. Truth and understanding are not such wares as to be monopolized and traded in by tickets and statutes and standards. We must not think to make a staple commodity of all the knowledge in the land, to mark and license it like our broadcloth and our wool-packs. What is it but a servitude like that imposed by the Philistines, not to be allowed the sharpening of our own axes and coulters, but we must prepare from all quarters to twenty licensing forges? Had any one written and divulged erroneous things and scandalous to honest life, misusing and forfeiting the esteem had of his reason among men, if, after conviction, this only censure were adjudged him that he should never henceforth write but what were first examined by an appointed officer, whose hand should be annexed to pass his credit for him, that now he might be safely read, it could not be apprehended less than a disgraceful punishment. Whence, to include the whole nation, and those that never yet thus offended under such a diffident and suspectful prohibition, may plainly be understood what a disparagement it is. So much the more when as debtors and delinquents may walk abroad without a keeper, but unoffensive books must not stir forth without a visible jailer in their title. Nor is it to the common people less than a reproach. For if we be so jealous over them, as that we dare not trust them with an English pamphlet, what do we but censure them for a giddy, vicious, and ungrounded people, in such a sick and weak state of faith and discretion as to be able to take nothing down but through the pipe of a licenser? That this is care or love of them we cannot pretend, when as in those popish places where the laity are most hated and despised, the same strictness is used over them. Wisdom, we cannot call it, because it stops but one breach of license, nor that neither, when as those corruptions which it seeks to prevent break in faster at other doors which cannot be shut. And in conclusion, it reflects to the disrepute of our ministers also, of whose labors we should hope better, and of the proficiency which their flock reaps by them, than that after all this light of the gospel which is and is to be, and all this continual preaching, they should be still frequented with such an unprincipled, unedified, and laic rabble, as that the whiff of every new pamphlet should stagger them out of their catechism and Christian walking. This may have much reason to discourage the ministers, when such a low conceit is had of all their exhortations, and the benefiting of their hearers, as that they are not thought fit to be turned loose to three sheets of paper without a licenser, that all the sermons, all the lectures preached, printed, vended in such numbers and such volumes, as have now well-nigh made all other books unsaleable, should not be armor enough against one single Encheridion without the castle of St. Angelo of an imprimatur. And lest some should persuade ye, lords and commons, that these arguments of learned men's discouragement at this your order are mere flourishes and not real, I could recount what I have seen and heard in other countries where this kind of inquisition tyrannizes, 
when I have sat among their learned men, for that honour I had, and been counted happy to be born in such a place of philosophic freedom as they supposed England was, while themselves did nothing but bemoan the servile condition into which learning amongst them was brought. That this was it which had damped the glory of Italian wits, that nothing had been there written now these many years but flattery and fustian. There it was that I found and visited the famous Galileo, grown old, a prisoner to the Inquisition, for thinking on astronomy otherwise than the Franciscan and Dominican licensers thought. And though I knew that England then was groaning loudest under the prelatical yoke, nevertheless I took it as a pledge of future happiness that other nations were so persuaded of her liberty. Yet was it beyond my hope that those worthies were then breathing in her air who should be her leaders to such a deliverance as shall never be forgotten by any revolution of time that this world hath to finish. When that was once begun, it was as little in my fear that what words of complaint I heard among learned men of other parts uttered against the Inquisition, the same I should hear by as learned men at home uttered in time of Parliament against an order of licensing and that so generally that when i had disclosed myself a companion of their discontent i might say without envy that he whom an honest questorship had endeared to the sicilians was not more by them importuned against varies than the favourable opinion which i had among many who honour ye and are known and respected by ye loaded me with entreaties and persuasions that i would not despair to lay together that which just reason should bring into my mind toward the removal of an undeserved thraldom upon learning. That this is not therefore the disburdening of a particular fancy, but the common grievance of all those who had prepared their minds and studies above the vulgar pitch to advance truth in others and from others to entertain it, thus much may satisfy. And in their name, I shall for neither friend nor foe conceal what the general murmur is, that if it come to inquisitioning again and licensing, and that we are so timorous of ourselves and so suspicious of all men as to fear each book and the shaking of every leaf before we know what the contents are, if some who but of late were little better than silenced from preaching shall now come to silence us from reading except what they please, it cannot be guessed what is intended by some, but a second tyranny over learning, and will soon put it out of controversy that bishops and presbyters are the same to us both name and thing, that those evils of prelaty which before from five or six and twenty sees were distributively charged upon the whole people, will now light wholly upon learning is not obscure to us when as now the pastor of a small unlearned parish on the sudden shall be exalted archbishop over a large diocese of books and yet not remove but keep his other cure too a mystical pluralist he who but of late cried down the sole ordination of every novice bachelor of art and denied sole jurisdiction over the simplest parishioner shall now at home in his private chair assume both these over worthiest and excellentest books and ablest authors that write them. 
this is not ye covenants and protestations that we have made this is not to put down prelacy this is but to chop an episcopacy this is but to translate the palace metropolitan from one kind of dominion into another this is but an old canonical slight of commuting our penance to startle thus betimes at a mere unlicensed pamphlet will after a while be afraid of every conventicle and a while after will make a conventicle of every christian meeting but i am certain that a state governed by the rules of justice and fortitude or a church built and founded upon the rock of faith and true knowledge cannot be so pusillanimous while things are yet not constituted in religion that freedom of writing should be restrained by a discipline imitated from the prelates and learnt by them from the inquisition to shut us up all again into the breast of a licenser must needs give cause of doubt and discouragement to all learned and religious men who cannot but discern the fineness of this politic drift and who are the contrivers that while bishops were to be baited down then all presses might be open it was the people's birthright and privilege in time of parliament it was the breaking forth of light but now the bishops abrogated and voided out of the church as if our reformation sought no more but to make room for others into their seats under another name the episcopal arts begin to bud again the crews of truth must run no more oil liberty of printing must be enthralled again under a prelatical commission of twenty the privilege of the people nullified and which is worse the freedom of learning must groan again unto her old fetters all this the parliament yet sitting although their own late arguments and defences against the prelates might remember them that this obstructing violence meets for the most part with an event utterly opposite to the end which it drives at instead of suppressing sects and schisms it raises them and invests them with a reputation the punishing of wits enhances their authority saith the viscount st albans and a forbidden writing is thought to be a certain spark of truth that flies up in the faces of them who seek to tread it out this order therefore may prove a nursing mother to sects but i shall easily show how it will be a stepdame to truth and first by disenabling us to the maintenance of what is known already well knows he who uses to consider that our faith and knowledge thrives by exercise as well as our limbs and complexion truth is compared in scripture to a streaming fountain if her waters flow not in a perpetual progression they sicken into a muddy pool of conformity and tradition a man may be a heretic in the truth and if he believe things only because his pastor says so or the assembly so determines without knowing other reason though his belief be true yet the very truth he holds becomes his heresy there is not any burden that some would gladlier post off to another than the charge and care of their religion who knows not that there be of protestants and professors who live and die in as arrant and implicit faith as any papist of loretto a wealthy man addicted to his pleasure and to his profits finds religion to be a traffic so entangled and of so many 
piddling accounts that of all mysteries he cannot skill to keep a stock going upon that trade what should he do fain he would have the name to be religious fain he would bear up with his neighbours in that what does he therefore but resolves to give over toiling and to find himself out some factor to whose care and credit he may commit the whole managing of his religious affairs some divine of note and estimation that must be to him he adheres resigns the whole warehouse of his religion with all the locks and keys into his custody and indeed makes the very person of that man his religion esteems his associating with them a sufficient evidence and commendatory of his own piety so that a man may say his religion is now no more within himself but has become a dividual movable and goes and comes near him according as that good man frequents the house he entertains him gives him gifts feasts him lodges him his religion comes home at night prays is liberally supped and sumptuously laid to sleep rises is saluted and after the momsy or some well-spiced brewage and better breakfasted than he whose morning appetite would have gladly fed on green figs between bethany and jerusalem his religion walks abroad at eight and leaves his kind entertainer in the shop trading all day without his religion another sort there be who when they hear that all things should be ordered all things regulated and settled nothing written but what passes through the custom-house of certain publicans that have the tonnaging and poundaging of all free-spoken truth will straight give themselves up into your hands cut em out what religion you please there be delights there be recreations and jolly pastimes that will fetch the day about from sun to sun and rock the tedious year as in a delightful dream what need they torture their heads with that which others have taken so strictly and so unalterably into their own purveying these are the fruits which a dull ease and cessation of our knowledge will bring forth among the people how goodly and how to be wished were such an obedient unanimity as this what a fine conformity would it starch us all into doubtless as staunch and solid piece of framework as any january could freeze together nor much better will be the consequence even among the clergy themselves it is no new thing never heard of before for a parochial minister who has his reward and is at his hercules pillars in a warm benefice to be easily inclinable if he have nothing else that may rouse up his studies to finish his circuit in a an english concordance and a topic folio the gatherings and savings of a sober graduateship a harmony and a catena treading the constant round of certain common doctrinal heads attended with their uses motives marks and means out of which as out of an alphabet or soul far by forming and transforming joining and disjoining variously a little bookcraft and two hours meditation might furnish him unspeakably to the performance of more than a weekly charge of sermoning not to reckon up the infinite helps of interlinearies breviaries synopses and other loitering gear but as for the multitude of sermons ready printed and piled up 
on every text that is not difficult, our London trading St. Thomas in his vestry, and add to boots St. Martin and St. Hugh, have not within their hallowed limits more vendable ware of all sorts ready-made, so that penury he never need fear of pulpit provision, having ware so plenteously to refresh his magazine. But if his rear and flanks be not impaled, if his back door be not secured by the rigid licenser, but that a bold book may now and then issue forth and give the assault to some of his old collections in their trenches, it will concern him then to keep waking, to stand in watch, to set good guards and sentinels about his received opinions, to walk the round and counter-round with his fellow-inspectors, fearing lest any of his flock be seduced. Who also then would be better instructed, better exercised and disciplined? And God send that the fear of this diligence which must then be used do not make us affect the laziness of a licensing church. For if we be sure we are in the right, and do not hold the truth guiltily, which becomes not, if we ourselves condemn not our own weak and frivolous teaching and the people for an untaught and irreligious gadding rout, what can be more fair than when a man, judicious, learned, and of a conscience, fraught we know as good as theirs that taught us what we know, shall not privily from house to house, which is more dangerous, but openly by writing publish to the world what his opinion is, what his reasons, and wherefore that which is now thought cannot be sound? Christ urged it, as wherewith to justify himself, that he preached in public. Yet writing is more public than preaching, and more easy to refutation, if need be, there being so many whose business and profession merely it is to be the champions of truth, which if they neglect, what can be imputed but their sloth or inability? Thus much we are hindered and disinured by this course of licensing, toward the true knowledge of what we seem to know. For how much it hurts and hinders the licensers themselves in the calling of their ministry, more than any secular employment, if they will discharge that office as they ought, so that of necessity they must neglect either the one duty or the other, I insist not, because it is a particular, but leave it to their own conscience how they will decide it there. End of Part 2 Recording by Thomas Copeland